0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen
1: in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance.
0: Hello my friends and welcome back to catch up with Louise McSharry the podcast where I try along with a team of crack contributors to catch you up on the week if you haven't been paying attention don't worry we are going to try and get you right up to date over the course of the next hour or so I hope you are feeling well if you're not that's okay I on this day I'm a woman hanging on by a thread. If I sound lispy, it's because I'm wearing my retainer because I've had a dental emergency and I have a bridge that's basically a half hanging out of my face. I haven't had time to get to the dentist to get it sorted out because I just had too many balls in the air this week. I had too much work on, too much parenting, too much everything, um, too many balls in the air. And what happens when you have too many balls in the air you drop them. So I just spent the week like, you know, when you get to the end of, well, it's not even over yet, but nearly the end of the week. And you're like, I, all I did this week was like, let people down, cancel things at the last minute, snap at my kids. Like I just did not succeed this week overall. However, we all have these weeks. It is very, very hard to have kids and a crew it's very hard to have kids <laughs> like full stop it's very hard to have kids and for somebody someone who like works full-time in the home massive respect to you it is also very hard to have kids and have a career at the same time and you know sometimes you just do have a week where it doesn't work out and you know Most weeks, it's fine. But when you do have a week where it doesn't work out and when you feel like you've just failed at absolutely everything, it can be pretty tough. And I think the best thing we can do for ourselves on those weeks is just, I mean, I'm just (laughs) literally, just holding it together holding it together to get to Friday evening I'm gonna go to bed at like 9 p.m and just chalk it down to an abnormally busy one and just move on with my life so if you are feeling a little bit like that if you are feeling like it has just been totally frantic and that you are barely holding it together I just thought I'd share because you are not alone my friends we can't be winners all of the time next week maybe we will be the victors this week was not that week. Anyway, we've got loads of stuff to get through on the podcast this week. We are gonna get to the bottom of Kanye West, like, or yay, excuse me, as he's going by now. <sighs> wow. I just, you know, truly. Would like him to get off the internet for a while. Jen Gannon is going to be up later to chat about that. I had a great chat with Eva Gallagher, who is an analyst for the Institute of Strategic Dialogue. I first came to know her um, during the pandemic when I was kind of trying to get to the bottom of where conspiracy theorists were coming from and like why so many people were being totally sucked into them. Her work is Fascinating, and she has a new book out. So, if you have ever wondered how it is that totally normal people can all of a sudden be completely radicalized by the internet, then definitely you'll want to hear this. But first, it's time to catch up on the week's news with Aoife Moore. Aoife Moore, political correspondent at the Sunday Times Ireland. Good morning to you. Good morning. Um, I am wearing my retainer because I broke something in my teeth last night. So, please excuse if I'm slightly lispy. And I'm, as usual wearing my pyjamas. That's actually not as usual anymore. I haven't (laughs) seen you in your pyjamas in a good few weeks. the
3: last couple of weeks,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's impressive. Um, Okay, we've got a lot to talk about in politics, uh, starting with concrete. I think you posted the other day on your Instagram stories that you didn't think you'd be so familiar with. I know so much about concrete and minerals and how concrete is made.
3: (laughs) So last night, the government defeated a Sinn Féin motion to ban or get rid of the government's concrete levy. The concrete levy would be... A price added to the price of concrete and building blocks for people building, um, you know, properties and residential buildings and whatever else. Mm. The money, um, the concrete levy was came up with and announced in the budget because it was to get the construction industry to put money towards the redress scheme for the mica affected homes and families. There are now 13 counties across Ireland that have mica in their building blocks than making their houses very dangerous and very unsafe Mm. do not let people tell you this is a Donegal problem because it's not it is like 13 counties now mostly down the west coast of Ireland Mm. so the micro redress scheme for people to rebuild their houses is going to be billions and billions of euro and the feeling was that the construction industry should have to put money towards this because it is the construction industry technically that made the problem now the construction industry have argued that it wasn't them that made the problem. There is a very select few number of companies who produced these defective blocks. What the Micah families and Sinn Féin and even Leo Ragger has said is that they want those companies who've made those blocks accountable yeah. and they should pay the money. However, they are not going to have three billion euro to pay that money. So the money has to come from somewhere. This is where the concrete block levy came from. Mm. The feeling is that towards the building of a house, it'll add about €3,000 to the building of a house in a housing emergency when we're already not building enough houses. Mm.
0: It is tricky because on the one hand, you don't want those families to have to suffer wait. and yeah. wait any longer. They fought so hard to even mm. have their problem acknowledged. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the truth. Yeah. You don't want the taxpayer mm-hmm. really you know, to directly have to pay for the redress because mm-hmm. that's not fair when it yeah, was wasn't builders fault. who yeah. got the problem. But at the same time, should poor innocent builders yeah. have to pay, you know, when they
3: were given faulty supplies? Yeah, exactly. But the, the thing with me is like the book, stocks with the, st- the book stops with the government if building regulations are not up to scratch. And it is yeah. very clear that building regulations were not up to scratch. There was light touch regulation. And that's why these companies were able to produce these very cheap blocks yeah. And houses were built with them, and I am very concerned Um, and I know obviously because I know a bit more about it than other people because I'm where I'm from on the border. But I am very concerned that something very bad and very dangerous is going to happen before these houses are fixed. So Sinn Féin brought a motion last night to get rid of the concrete levy. The government defeated it but it's not to say the government are happy with it. Backbenchers from Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael have, especially in rural areas, said... You know, we can't stomach this. We can't take this back to our constituency, especially in rural areas where people, young people, want to build their own houses. Yeah. Which seems like such a pipe dream I for know, me, imagine. yeah. But like, m- more power to their elbow. Absolutely. But like, people who are building their own houses in more rural constituencies, they're already hard to get the money together. Mm. And then this is adding another three, four grand yeah. on top of it. So there's going to be a special. It's meeting. kind of, yeah,
0: it's hard because, like, you know, in black, like, you can see an argument on all sides. I can. Yeah. Um, because. Obviously, you don't want to make things difficult for people who are building houses, as jealous as I am of people who yeah. are building houses. And um, that doesn't seem fair when things mm. are already so difficult. Exactly, And everything else is more expensive as it is actually, because of the cost of living crisis in, and energy. And if you're building a house, you're doing the government's job for them.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um, so the finance minister, the bill was rejected last night, but the finance minister said that he said a lot of feedback and the finance bill hasn't actually been produced yet. Yeah. So there's a special meeting of Fianna Fáil, I think this week, and Fianna Gale talked about it last night. I have a feeling there's going to be some amendments to this levy.
0: Yeah, I heard a journalist saying that, <laughs> this is going to be a blast from the past, um, I heard a journalist on the radio this week saying that... You know, the finance bill is obviously where the budget gets you know, kind of written into yeah, law yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that previously there had been changes made to do with pay as you go phone credit. Mm-hmm. Like in a situation like this where there was something in the budget and then everybody was like, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. that then, yeah. You
3: can amend it. And I've spoken to
0: like, I think he said, tinkered with
3: <laughs> cabinet members who said, you know, Pascal's a pretty reasonable person and there has been quite a bit of. Backlash about this, so they imagine there might be an amendment or yeah. two, but what shape that takes, we don't know yet.
0: I did hear him being pretty balshy about it and being kind of like, you know, at the end of the day, we've got to pay for things. Yeah, well, that's Which what just said to me as a yeah.
3: was like, listen, where are we going to get this money? So. I love the idea of you just chatting away. Just, just, just
0: what's happening yeah. away. <laughs> okay, we'll move on. Aer Lingus uh, had to have a chat with the government this week about what went down when everything went awry there a few weeks ago and mm. like thousands of people missed uh, flights and everything went wrong basically yeah
3: they, there was a cancellation of 51 flights if people remember that if you were affected by that horror I'm so sorry yeah nothing worse than flights being um canceled so uh, the Aer Lingus have received 6500 comp- compensation claims. From excuse uh, patients from <laughs> customers who were affected by last month's IT problem. Mm. Uh, more than thirty thousand Airlinkers passengers were impacted, and they said in their Octus Transport Committee they said it was an ex- exceptional set of circumstances. It was an IT glitch, and what they said happened was for ten hours they had no access to their operational or customer system. They couldn't check in, they couldn't board customers, they couldn't get access to flight information. It was the Wild West out there. They had limited ability to even communicate this with customers and they said it was you know exceptional it's never happened before but the fiber optic line was broken due to construction work in the uk and it took down their primary line
0: oh my god and then the
3: second line which is the backup also failed due to an entirely unrelated issue of a failure of a backup
0: card so this so is like two unheard of yeah. different terrible things happened yes. at the same time yeah i actually feel a bit sorry so do i <laughs> I do feel
3: really sorry for them, and like everyone was saying that you know you know the pictures everyone stuck outside. But when I you know you saw people losing their minds on Twitter, but most of them were saying that
0: they won't even communicate with us. Yeah, but no,
3: it seems that they just couldn't. They couldn't. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh man, that is a real. Do you know what that is, Eva? That's a shit one. And I think the other thing is you know you have to consider the context which is that we have all really suffered when it comes to travel mm. you know obviously travel is a luxury and a privilege but like yes. you know we have all really suffered because obviously we couldn't travel for ages and then when we could the airport was an absolute disaster mm. and loads of people missed flights as a result of like long lines waiting in security and all mm. the rest and then finally things are like semi okay yeah. and this happened you think it's over but it's not so pe- people's
3: patience was relatively thin on the ground i think yeah they said that the you know it was an exceptional set of circumstances and they Really don't think it would ever happen again. They did get very much told off at the Transport Committee saying, like, a, a backup plan failing is not good enough. But considering the amount of money they're going to have to pay out, and it was quite a PR disaster, I don't think they'll be itching of this down. Yeah. yeah, you
0: don't really want to kick them when they're down. No. Um, okay, now let's talk about Suella Braverman, who is someone I had not heard of oh, lucky you. until recently, um, and obviously you educated me on the situation <laughs> with the UK wanting mm-hmm. to send refugees to Rwanda, not because they're from Rwanda. You thought they were Rwandan? I thought they were Rwandan <laughs> refugees. No, no, just any refugees any they old... want to send to Rwanda. And Suella Braverman is following in those footsteps. So Suella Braverman was
3: actually the Attorney General in the, under Boris Johnson. And she was never a barrister. She also said that the Northern Ireland Protocol Bill, which broke international law, did not break international law. It doesn't help when I tell the story that her name does rhyme with Cruella. <laughs> <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. she has succeeded pretty patel um as the home office um secretary of the home office and the conservative party conference was on this week um i'm sure there's been a lot of clips mm-hmm. there's been a lot of memes mm-hmm. there has been a lot of people falling asleep um so the telegraph has their own podcast called choppers politics it's actually they did it live from the conservative party and i'm the kind of saddo who listens to it mm-hmm. um it was really good but They were doing a recording of that podcast and it came up about the Rwandan flights. So the first flight was cancelled at the 11th York because the European Court of Human Rights intervened. And she, (laughs) C.L.L. Baverman said, I would love to be having a front page of the Telegraph with a plane taking off to Rwanda. That's my dream. It's an obsession. Like... I would also like to... like." The, the point that a lot of people are making is that soelle Braveman like Pretty Patel is a person of color mm. whose parents also emigrated um, to England and she wants it to, she wants it to happen What did she say let me just double check this oh yes she expressed her desire for it to take place before the festive period yeah nice little Christmas gift yeah. for Suella um the memes the tweets, came thick and fast you know most people dream of growing up to be a ballerina or a footballer and say oh braverman
0: wants to deport people to rwanda it's wild because i saw her giving a speech obviously at that conference and she was talking about you know people saying it's hypocritical to be you know the child of immigrants mm. and to be have such a hard line on mm. immigration she just doesn't accept it at all like <laughs> she's just she just doesn't
3: it's, like there's the notion and i find it we irish people who complain avoid immigrants i'm like oh so we are all just pulling up the ladder behind us yeah it's not even that she's a person of color but she's a child of immigrants and like there are plenty of irish people who have terrible views on immigration, immigration and, they children go, who, <laughs> and they want to pull up the ladder behind them yeah. and it's like it's just a, such a lack of empathy um yeah and because i think that's it she it's you know it's she has but also there's a lot of what i think the conservative party and the de- the republican party in america now is like a lot of their policies are just based on annoying people like she said after my delight my delight is if i'm annoying the left as she was asked a question about her parents being from mauritius in kenya
0: i mean these are people's lives. that doesn't yeah. have a good record on human rights. But that's rights. what I was just going to say is that it's it's like she has managed to completely remove the fact that these are human beings that she's talking about because, you know, it, her, her hard line is basically we have too many refugees. There are too many mm. asylum seekers and mm. that's it. And it doesn't, I'm not going to think about them as human beings mm. or people.
3: The other line that the party, the Conservative Party, has started to take is that they're illegal immigrants. They're absolutely not. You're allowed to claim asylum. Yeah. Uh, once the country that you land in, and just because you want someone to be illegal doesn't mean yeah. that they are. Yeah. So, okay, there was a guy making a list.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't even laugh at that. It's just so bad. Bo- it's so bad what she's doing. Um, okay, what she wants to do. So, with regard to the European Court of Human Rights, she was like, I mean, we have to let them have their due process.
3: <laughs> she's also a solicitor.
0: That's like, yeah. Yeah, you do because you're like, it's literally human rights you're talking about. Anyway, let's move on because there was a big report that was released in the US this week in terms of US women's football. Yeah. And it will come as no surprise that the investigation was into uh, accusations of sexual abuse.
3: Yeah. So, um women's soccer is way bigger in America than it, than it does here. Huge. So, the US soccer commissioned a report. ...about allegations of harassment and sexual coercion in women's football. Um, in the report it said that abuse is rooted in a deeper culture in women's soccer. It begins in youth leagues. It normalises verbally abusive coaching and blurs the boundaries between coaches and players. The verbal and emotional abuse players describe is not merely tough coaching... ...and the players are not shrinking violets. They are among the best athletes in the world five of the 10 head coaches in the last season's league, they were either fired or resigned after allegations of misconduct. So that's half of them. It's wild. Um, there's also allegations of sexual harassment. One player said that um, for every pass, one player said for every pass she messed up, the manager said he was going to touch her, that she had had has pushed his hands down her pants and upper shirt. Um, They feel very... The players feel very vindicated by this report. This has been going on for a long time. They've been talking about this for a long time among themselves, but this is the first time that it's really come out in the public. Mm. There's also... um allegations of grooming because we know that girls started playing football very young as well yeah. um and so the national governing body for the sport u.s soccer said that they're fully committed to doing everything and their power to ensure that all players at all levels have a safe and respectful place to learn and play yeah. but this is like it's the same with we saw with gymnastics yeah. and we saw it with um swimming and everything else is like wherever there is women pr- playing a sport we are completely at the mercy of whoever is the manager yeah. or the coach and there are not ever enough safeguards until someone puts their hand up and says something else is going on here
0: it's just like
3: it's there's nothing it's, you can do no and things are starting to change and i suppose we should be glad that we're seeing these changes but you know we've even seen it with the ireland women's team manager um who said that she was raped you know as a young player as well so I am glad that these things are starting to happen in terms of, like, reports and investigations and that mm. there will be more safeguarding. But this should have been done. We have known about things like this for 50, 60 years.
0: Yeah. Okay. um, It's not often you and I get to talk about Kim Kardashian. I have a, I have a
3: bit of news. Oh? I unfollowed Kim Kardashian on Instagram last night. Wow. Which I know it sounds like nothing. But, like, I have just had it. Yeah. Like... It's not even so much, like... I think, obviously, her and her family have damaged the world. But, like, it's also, like... I just find her quite annoying
0: now. Well, that's fair enough. You're entitled to to unfollow her.
3: Like, I think she's obviously the most beautiful woman in the world. And, like, I wouldn't be one of those people who's, like, she's famous for nothing and she's stupid because she's probably actually one of the best business people that you could Mm. point a finger to at the minute. But I just find, like... The podcast and then the ad for cash giveaways and the <laughs> diet pills and the extensions. And it's like, stop selling me stuff. You have enough money. It just feels like she's like a walking
0: ad. I think that's a totally fair criticism.
3: Just get people out of jail and look after
0: your wings. Uh, yes. Good suggestions. <laughs> good recommendations. You should get straight right, on to it. Not her. that
3: only she should look after her wings. Everyone who has wanes should be looking after them. But well, yeah.
0: Yes. Um, but we need to talk talk about about something something
3: specific yes sorry (laughs) it was often one there i never get to talk about kim kardashian (laughs) okay
0: i'm glad you had your moments so she's been fined
3: um significantly yes kim kardashian has been fined it works out in pounds which is basically the same as euro now. um 1.12 million Mm. for advertising a cryptocurrency on her instagram page and not disclosing that she'd been paid to do so um this is a real like Silly mistake for her to make because she was. I was going to say she was only paid. She was only paid two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the ad, and it's cost
0: her over four times that now. I actually remember when she posted this because I I was like, "This is weird."
3: Yeah, like I don't don't understand cryptocurrency the best of times, but anyway, part of the fine was that she has agreed not to promote crypto assets securities for three years. I'm sure she's crying in her bed over that one. mm. Um, she said that she had fully complied with the SEC and that she would be sorry. And she would do anything that she could assist. She wasn't the only person who was fined. Also, Floyd Mayweather Jr., the boxer and a basketball player, were also sued by investors. Um, the company is called Ethereum Max. Mm-hmm. Sounds like some kind of like medicine.
0: Ethereum um, Max. It sounds like a cult. The best
3: a man can get. <laughs> Something. Yeah. <laughs> um, the legal action alleged that they had cl- collaborated to misleadingly promote and sell the cryptocurrency. In a kind of scheme that you is used to inflate the value of a cryptocurrency. So if you get like three celebrities you just advertising at one time, obviously the stock will like shut up.
0: And then people can sell. Yeah. So it's like insider trading. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kim, that was a big mistake. You know, I just you have to wonder how much money do how much they is need? Enough? Like every time I see them doing something like that, which is like kind of cheap and trashy, or like, you know, the ones where they're like it's Kylie they sitting giveaways. on the stairs yeah. with like uh, 10 Louis Vuitton bags around and piles mm-hmm. of cash she's like you could win all this I'm like it, when is enough enough
3: yeah like you are so rich I understand that like you I, I'd i say very much that they loved their remains so they feel like they need to keep making money so they can continue the lifestyle that they have well, yeah. created for themselves yeah. and like I'd say it's a very expensive lifestyle but, So, like my mom always goes mm, but are they happy and I'm like I think they are I think <laughs> I think
0: well, Chloe's not. but... I
3: mean, Chloe never will be.
0: Poor Chloe. But, um, but the rest of them, I think, are.
3: Yeah, I think the rest of them yeah. are. Um, I I wouldn't have, I wouldn't trade their lives for mine. I mean, sitting here in my pajamas. But no, I wouldn't want to be a Kardashian at all. Like, imagine just everyone knowing your business. Like, I wouldn't Chloe's want. Life. I wouldn't
0: want to go overnight to being a Kardashian. But I think if you were a Kardashian who had organically become a Kardashian, it might be pretty good.
3: No. You can't even, like, go for lunch. People are taking photographs of you. You know days when you, like, just want to, like, go to the shop and you're not wearing a bra and you've got your glasses on, your hair's everywhere? Yeah. They can't do that.
0: I can't either, Eva. I'm no. very famous. <laughs> I think you're underestimating my fame here. Louise,
3: cryptocurrency, <laughs> make sure. <laughs> Louise will be on Instagram next week. And be like, bye!
0: Bit dog coin. Bit dog coin. Uh, even more. Political <laughs> Cars about it. The Sunday Times Ireland. Thank you so much. Now, as I said at the start of the show, Aoife Gallagher's work as an analyst for the Institute of Strategic Dialogue means she is an authority on some of the worst parts of the internet, primarily far right extremism, disinformation, and conspiracy theories. I first came to know her during the pandemic when I was trying to make sense of some of the wild, absolutely wild disinformation that was taking over the internet. And so I was really pleased to learn that she'd written a book about getting to the root of why so many people are being radicalized online. Otherwise, normal people, you know, people's moms people's brothers people's best friends you know what is going on and why is that happening web of lies is the name of the book it's out now and i was only delighted to chat to ifa about it i'm gonna hit record Mm -hmm. um because if we did have a conversation like the last time that we spoke uh was obviously in a professional (laughs) capacity yeah um and you were a guest on my radio show we were in the absolute thick of covid Mm -hmm. and conspiracy theories were rife and it was a really worrying time i was trying to get my head around kind of why people were falling for these conspiracy theories Mm -hmm. and I think everybody else was Um, and I suppose they haven't gone away since then have they?
1: No as I say they've only gotten worse really I think I was chatting to you about QAnon probably more specifically at that time and it's actually crazy even talking about QAnon and anyone who doesn't know about QAnon number one I'm very jealous (laughs) you don't know (laughs) what it is Um, but it's kind of it's a really kind of lurid and kind of like wide-ranging conspiracy theory movement I describe it in the book actually as a conspiracy theory soup (laughs) so because it essentially there's loads of different conspiracy theories that are involved in QAnon but the kind of main thread through it is that it's the idea that Trump is saving the world like through his presidency at the time from a group of Child trafficking, pedophiles, pa- and this is kind of collectively turned as, as the deep state, mm. and this involves people like Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, anyone who's kind of liberal or holds any kind of liberal beliefs, really. And so, I mean, QAnon at that time, when I was chatting to you, was still a very kind of. It had kind of split up into, it had kind of gone mainstream, I suppose, into the Save the Children movement, which mm-hmm. really kind of, it took away a lot of the really lurid parts of it and kind of made it more about saving people from, ch- or saving children from child trafficking and yeah. things like
0: that. Because who can argue with that?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Who doesn't want to save children? You know, it's such a big thing. So I think since that, it has just... QAnon has essentially wormed its way into every other conspiracy theory movement and it's become a huge element within the COVID skeptic movement or the anti-vaccine movement you know what I mean all these little elements of QAnon have kind of got into it and I suppose that's really to do with the nature of the online world in some ways so mm. the way that QAnon kind of exploded at the start of the pandemic was that or the way I suppose the way the com- conspiracy theory movements in general exploded at yeah. the start of the pandemic was that Before the pandemic, a lot of conspiracy theory movements kind of lived on their own in in the online world. So you had the anti-vaccine movement that was, you know, it's been around for what, over 20 years at this stage. Mm. Um, You had the anti-5G movement, you had QAnon, you had the kind of far-right extremists. um, And then when the pandemic came around, they all kind of latched on to COVID conspiracies. Mm. So in the online world, if you were, say, joining an anti-lockdown group because you were pissed off at 2nd Curse?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Absolutely. We're not on the radio now, babe.
1: Um, if you're annoyed, yeah, I'd say at um, COVID restrictions and you decided to join an anti-lockdown group, then you would be recommended a QAnon group or you'd be recommended, you know, uh, an anti-5G group. And they kind of all just came together into this big ballooned online ecosystem. And that's essentially where we are now is that this, what's happened is really all these conspiracy theory movements have come together into this huge hybridized force mm. and they're all using different elements from from different kind of movements so you have as i say qAnon has kind of become a central element of it you have like the sovereign citizen stuff which is like really convoluted as well but it's kind of this like pseudo legal theory that kind of people use to claim that they don't need to conform by any laws mm-hmm. um it became a kind of a big thing as well during covid so it's just Really where we are now is quite scary, I think, in a lot yeah. of ways, because people just become, when they become radicalized into one element of it, it kind of, it kind of all balloons out and they kind of become radicalized into the entire thing.
0: Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, like, how is it do you think that people get kind of sucked into these mm. things? Like, what does it give them? And, and why, why are conspiracy theories, I suppose you, on the, your book, it's the lure and mm. danger of conspiracy theories. Why are they so alluring?
1: Um, I think right, there's a, there's a number of I suppose ways to to answer that. I think the important thing to say really is that we are all susceptible to believing yeah. in conspiracy theories. I opened the book with my own story of getting into 9-11 conspiracy theories when I was in my late teens. Yeah. And I think a lot of people can really relate to watching those conspiracy theory films called Zeitgeist and Loose Change. Anyone, if I, you know, people will know exactly what they are Mm. if they've watched those. Um, And I remember getting into them and being like, oh my God, you know, all the crazy things that are going on in the world suddenly make sense because they give you these kind of, pretty simplistic answers in a lot of ways are very you know easy to understand answers I suppose as to why the world is so messed up Mm. because they tend to blame it on normally what's kind of like a small kind of group of people who are you know kind of behind the scenes pulling the strings and kind of making sure that all these disasters happen in order to strip people of their liberties the normal kind of end goal is a one world totalitarian government right right Um, And so I think the idea of that kind of simple answer is is really alluring to people, right? Um,
0: Well, I thought as well, it was interesting when you were writing about your own experience of watching the films at 19 and kind of you said like you felt kind of enlightened or mm. like intelligent or like, you know, you had found this... Yeah. Answer, And I suppose I, when I read that, I thought, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. If you feel special or like you're in the know, then, you know, that would be attractive. Yeah,
1: it's a huge element of it. Um, and the other thing as well is that I, I spoke to a couple of psychologists who kind of look specifically at people's belief in conspiracy theories. And I find this extremely interesting because it's, it really started to make sense for me then as to why people really believe in this stuff. Mm. And one of the main things is that they find that people are, are more inclined to embrace conspiracy theories when certain psychological needs are not being met in their yeah. lives, right? Um, and the, the, the three main psychological needs are the need to feel safe and secure in, mm. in the world that you live in, uh, the need for knowledge that will let you know kind of what is going on in the world and the need to feel good about yourself and mm. good in your social situations or good in your you know, social circles or whatever it is. Mm. So when these three things tend to be lacking people will latch on to conspiracy theories. And they tend to, it, they don't fulfill these needs. You know, the, the, the psychologists that I talk to say that they, they give people a sense that they fulfill these needs, but actually what they do is they make people feel more in danger they make people feel that they don't have any answers to anything now they do maybe with the social element of stuff what you were saying is that they you know they give people a sense of knowledge and a sense yeah. of kind of superiority i suppose and that they community know as
0: well yes mm.
1: very much so and the internet has really mm. made that such a huge thing you know before you know conspiracy theories have obviously been they've been around for forever right but uh, the internet and the kind of communities that the internet gives people have just you know you see it when i when i look at these communities online they really they really form around each other and they really rally around each other and mm. they you know for a lot of people especially during the pandemic it was their only outlet mm. that they could actually talk to people about this because a lot of people in their lives have been like well you're not talking to me about that because it's nonsense or whatever yeah. you know people would say like yeah
0: yeah it's funny like i was obviously working in orty around COVID well right through kind of the the real meat of COVID I suppose I mean Mm. we're still in it but um and I often had to drive by protesters you know at the gate and I got emails and text Mm. messages and you know and the accusations are essentially that you you are part of you know an evil kind of machine that's trying to promote a dangerous vaccine and you know the adrenochrome thing which is like apparently this this like I don't know what, what what do they think it is. It's like a, a chemical almost, or something yeah. that you get from so it, children. Well, see,
1: it is a real thing, right? So we produce adrenochrome in our brains. Now, don't ask me the very okay, you know, the the sciency part, of it, but we do produce adrenochrome in our brains, right? And um, within q anon kind of you know conspiracies, the idea is that children are tortured in order. I'm sorry, within within Q- QAnon, when children are tortured, adrenochrome is produced in their brain. Right. So then the adrenochrome is extracted, and it is used as an anti-aging substance.
0: Yes. Yes. So I joked regularly. Uh, where is my adrenochrome <laughs> like I I want some if, yeah if and i surely an RTE you should have well great exactly to it, no yeah. as a pre- I mean top talent mm-hmm, do you know what I mean exactly. well <laughs> we will say no more about that but you know it was it was strange to and I did joke about it but it would also made me really uncomfortable because mm. you know the idea that someone could have this belief about you and about you know everyone that you work with, that is so baseless and mm-hmm. um, was kind of scary.
1: Yeah, and I think that you know, especially with the media, right? There's, you can't say that the media is perfect. The media is definitely no, not perfect at all, not. and the media is, you know, in a lot of ways responsible for a lot of these movements actually flirting because they kind of lean into them sometimes, right? Yeah, um, but. The idea that, and I studied journalism as well, right? so I kind of came from a journalism background. The idea that, you know, every journalist has just left all their morals behind and decided that the mission of the job, that that a lot of, the vast majority of journalists that I know are really, the the mission of the job is really important to them, right? And the idea that people can just leave that and say, no, do you know what? I'm actually just going to do this completely, this complete opposite thing instead. And, you know, perpetuate these lies or whatever it is instead it's just nonsense and it's the same when people say it about healthcare workers Mm. and doctors you know Mm -hmm. during the pandemic again the idea that doctors and nurses were kind of part of this plot to make people sick and do you know what I mean it really is it just completely warps people's ideas um, of how the world works Um, and yeah that is kind of one of the Scariest and saddest parts of it, I yeah. would say as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, because I mean, I I said there that I joked about it, and you know, that's fine. But the the serious repercussions are, you know, as serious as they get. I mean, you write in the book about Joe McCarron, who is mm-hmm. one of many people who didn't take a vaccine, and um, because of anti-vaccine beliefs and he was and i'm using air quotes here rescued Mm -hmm. by someone from the hospital and he died two days later yeah yeah and and you know the doctors were like don't leave you literally can't breathe
1: yeah exactly And this
0: guy was like you're you know we're saving him from you like the doctors were a force for evil yeah like you know it doesn't get more serious than that no
1: i know that video like i see a lot of awful stuff in my (laughs) job let's just say that video had such an impact on me and now in fairness it was filmed and I say this in the book in, in Letterkenny Hospital where I was born so it was fairly close yeah, to close, home in a lot yeah. of ways um but I just remember I, I cried afterwards I was just like oh that man's gonna die he's gonna yeah. die and he did like yeah. and it was just it you know I think a lot of people have probably seen that video um and it just it really hit home for me that this this is the impact, this is what is happening to people that are believing in this kind of stuff. Um, And, you know, Joe's story is one of countless, I don't think we'll ever really know how many people suffered because of being pulled into those kind of theories and the Mm -hmm. idea that, you know, there was some kind of plot in place to just kill everyone, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah. So, I mean, the book goes into lots of different kind of areas of conspiracy and I think it gives a great... A really good context to kind of why we are where we are or why we we have arrived here, Mm. Um, and I suppose you do explore at the end though. What do we do? Like Mm. you know, how do we pull ourselves out of this? Yeah. And there's no straightforward answer, really, is there?
1: No. And I think you know, a lot of the times with with things like this, people want a a magic wand that's going to come in and be like, this is this is what we have to do. my, you know, I suppose I kind of go into a couple of different approaches. The first is obviously regulation of social media, right? Yeah. Um, one of the major issues with social media platforms, there's obviously, you know, I want to say as well that there's loads of positives to social media and yeah. there, there really is. And I think sometimes the positives are, you know, outweighed by the negatives. sometimes, but I think we need to cling on to the fact that there are positives there. Right. Yeah. Um, but one of the major issues. well, is Yeah. That,
0: and I mean, one of the positives is, is literally part of this, which is that it can really help people to feel less lonely. Yeah. But that can be a double edged sword. Exactly.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, one of the major issues is the way the algorithms function mm. on social media and they are built to promote outrage and fear and anger and all these like um, the things that elicit huge emotion in people right Mm. because that's the things that generate engagement that's the things that keep you on the platform for longer that's the things that will make the platform show you more ads which is how the platforms make their money right so Mm. that's kind of the it's the kind of inherent function of social media at the moment that is that is the real kind of problematic end of it right Mm. um And there's a couple of different things like without going into too much detail, I suppose, at the moment that are there's a couple of different pieces of legislation and regulations that are coming in um, in the next couple of years that will hopefully go some way into trying to regulate the way social media functions, because it's essentially a wild west at the moment. You know Mm. what I mean? They can kind of do do what they want. One of the biggest issues there is around transparency Mm. um, for people like me and, you know, journalists and other researchers that kind of are in this field it's really hard to get a really good grasp on what's going on online because the platforms are, it's it's up to the platforms to decide what kind of data they will allow someone like me to look at. Mm. And at the moment, that data is a very, very slim, like amount of what is actually going on in the entire platform. You know, for platforms like TikTok, there's literally, the only way to research TikTok is to do it manually on your phone. Right. <laughs> so can you imagine how awful that is as a, as a, as a research yeah method. Do you I, know mean, what I
0: mean I spend an awful lot of time on TikTok <laughs> and still I don't think I'm really gleaning any major information
1: yeah. so
0: I suppose social
1: media regulation is one part right mm. the part that I would be most passionate about is education because right. I think that education can be the solution to an awful lot of problems right um and I think that our information system has completely changed in such a short space of time what 10 years mm. like 15 years at the, at the very most right yeah. Um, And I think we're still really coming to grasp of that and what it kind of means for for everyone. So I think that media literacy programs in schools are absolutely essential. Um, And media literacy is essentially, it it kind of empowers people with knowing how media works. Mm. So how, you know, uh, how journalists go about collecting stories, the kind of editorial standards of different newspapers, how to identify sensationalism, how to identify bias, things like that. Um and then similarly digital digital literacy as well, mm. which is essentially kind of using those same same concepts but in an online space essentially to try and kind of make people more aware yeah. um of the information that they're consuming. And it's not about telling people this is wrong and this is right. It's more about empowering people with the information that they need to mm. be able to say that's good information, that's bad information. Yeah. So, you know, I think things like that are going to be absolutely essential, really, to kind of how we tackle this just in general. And then the third kind of prong, I suppose, is kind of about communication. And this is really, I suppose, for people. And I talked to quite a number of people who have lost, and I'm using kind of air quotes there as well, like lost people to conspiracy theories. Yeah. And that is, they people use that phrase to me, do you know what I mean? Because they describe it as kind of like losing someone to an addiction yeah it's really really sad the stories are devastating yeah. I actually just had a story I had a chat with the taxi man on the way out here and he was talking about one of his oldest friends who's fallen into this stuff as well and they're really really devastating stories um, and I think for anyone who is dealing with someone like that in their life, it can be really, really difficult to yeah. to try and kind of even broach the subject. Um, and the one piece of advice that I'll always give people is to just try and keep those people in your life because the danger really is that they will get completely cut off from anyone kind of in their life that is you know that that, that's kind of not within those movements and they'll just lean completely into conspiracies and those communities instead which means they're essentially cut off from reality yeah so I think you know that piece of advice is just you know keep people in your life I suppose um and I do give some kind of other kind of pieces of advice for people like that to be able to kind of I suppose try and kind of Get people out of the, that, that hole that they're in. Yeah. And a lot of it is about empathy. It's about not judging people. Yeah. And it's about kind of having very honest conversations. Um, and I can imagine that would be very, very difficult. And there's people that I talk to that, and I kind of understand this, they were like, I couldn't do it anymore. I just couldn't. I had to yeah. essentially cut them out of your life. And well, yeah, because
0: I mean, at the end of the day, you have to take care of yourself.
1: Yeah. yeah you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and
0: as hard as that is sometimes, in the same way that if someone is living with an addiction, that's a, at a certain point, you have to. You know, prioritize yourself and your own well-being, but that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's easy. And, you know, I actually remember on on my radio show around the same time that I spoke to you, Mm. I spoke to a psychologist who specialized in conspiracy theories Mm. and its impact on people and families and stuff. And the advice that you just gave is the exact advice that he gave. Yeah, it was about trying to empathize with the fact that most of the time these beliefs are rooted in a in a real very real sense of fear. Mm-hmm. And if you can kind of get there, you can you can find it in yourself I think to be a little bit more empathetic and sympathetic than you might have been otherwise. Yeah. But it is difficult once you know sometimes these people are saying absolutely horrendous things. Yeah. Yeah. For um, sure. And um I think I mean I definitely would have
1: been guilty of this probably before the last couple of years, before it actually, honestly, I started getting people in my life that were getting into this stuff. Yeah. And then I was just like, oh my God, you know, it kind of makes it, it makes it really close to home, obviously. Yeah. Um, but like what you were saying there about kind of teasing out, a lot of conspir- conspiracy belief comes from very, very real grievances or yeah. very real fears. Yeah. Um, and if you can kind of figure out what those fears are, you you more than likely have the same fears in some way yeah. or another. Um, and it, that's what I mean by kind of developing that empathy and kind of being yeah. like, okay, I feel the same way, but this is how I feel about it rather than how you feel about it, which yeah. is the idea that everyone's, there's a plot to kill everyone or whatever it is. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much. I've so enjoyed talking to you. That's Aoife Galler. The book is Web of Lies, The Lure and Danger of Conspiracy Theories and it is out now. Thanks, Aoife. Now, it is time to catch up on the week's entertainment news and there is really only one story that has been occupying my brain this week and that is the one of Ye or aka Kanye West and his frankly apparent parent behavior online like I have been truly appalled and um, don't worry though we do also get to Jamie Lee Curtis's visit to Dublin which was one of the most charming things I've seen in a long time maybe a perfect antidote actually to the other stuff and I was delighted to have Jen Gannon join well, me well I-, I am so 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 grateful to have writer and commentator I'm going to call you Jen uh, Jen Gannon on the podcast again because the celebrity stories this week really have range from the ridiculous to well they're all kind of ridiculous to be honest I suppose in one way or another but the big story of the week and it's ongoing so I guess we should say we're recording this on Thursday morning and who knows what might happen in the next 24 hours in terms of when people are listening to this um is Kanye West and just his his behavior I mean I am just so appalled but for people who haven't been paying attention Jen what's been going on?
2: Yeah, I mean like the thing about Kanye is like we we're just saying, his situation has always ever evolving. So by the time this podcast comes out, something else could have dropped, something else, mm. you know, detrimental could have happened to the situation. But basically, this was supposed to be his victory lap, Ye's victory lap at Paris Fashion Week. And no one knew if he was actually going to show any of his new collection, but He did walk for the much ridiculed Balenciaga, you know, mud collection. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least we all remember it. I know it looks like something from Zoolander, but (laughs) we do all remember it. Um, And he was bopping around other shows with his new beard on his face. I Mm. mean, the beard on his face (laughs) and his Diamante flip flops. Mm. And there was this feeling in the air that, you know, there was some kind of redemption going Mm. to come. And I think, you know, that's the problem with being slightly invested in Kanye in his career you do as an artist because i'm guilty of this you Mm. you you want one more chance for him you want him to change or because he knew how brilliant he was before and that always plays a part in it and like back 10 like this is very important just to give a little short potted history of kanye and fashion because like back 10 11 years ago you know i loved the fact that he was ridiculing the fashion industry and kind of being punk and breaking the codes and, and Showed up the bureaucracy of that industry, you know, and kind of snubbing his nose from the outside going, I could do this um, and I could do it better than you. And I think, you know, I, we all laughed at his meltdown over like Fendi stealing like leather joggers or whatever. Yeah. But, like, I will say one thing about Kanye in fashion. He is a trend spotter, but also like he is in music, he's a talent spotter. And you cannot deny his influence over fashion for the past 10 years. And yeah. he saw Something and Virgil Abloh took him on board in 2012 and made him his creative director. Um, even if I wasn't a fan at the start of his kind of, you know, just full post-apocalyptic Una I think, called a famine where she was dead, right? <laughs> uh, and But as, you know, this decade has gone along, we have seen the industry bend into Kanye's will. Yeah. And it's not just, you know, Kim throwing away her wardrobe on his behest. It's all of us. And mm. another thing that, you know, it might sound like hyperbole, but like not just with Virgil Abloh. In 2015, he lo- he pegged designer Demna, who at that stage was just working for the label, very small label Vetements, And he said, you, you work on my Yeezy collection. And then within a year, he was head of Balenciaga. Yeah. And you look at that creative synergy and it is everywhere. Everyone under the age of 30 at this very moment in time looks like they've tumbled out of Berghain yeah. after a three day bender because of Demma and because of, you know, Kanye and Demna's influence on the industry. Yeah. So he's they brought it to the mainstream. So just to say, because I know people are like, oh, Kanye and fashion, he actually is in fashion. And this is why people like Anna Wintour, people, you know, like Bernard Arnold, who's the head of Louis Vuitton and Moet Hennessy, he is the chief of that. Mm. Why they give him time. Why yeah. they're at this show that was hastily put together and also soundtracked by the Donda school. Cause yeah. Kelly's also open to school. That's like, that's a whole nother story. Yeah. We had a children's choir singing at this very hastily put together show. Yeah. And you know, the designs for the most part yet again, I will just say he is a talent spotter because he has this young designer, Shane Oliver doing a lot of stuff mm. and, um it's all stuff that kind of looks like hoodies like everything you can put over your head dresses yeah it it all looks great but then he dropped the banger he dropped a massive clanger and he came out with all these shirts that had white lives matter and he he had you know um marley who's the daughter of lauren hill walk with one of them on her and Mm. naomi campbell was walking at this show as well and look we all know Kanye loves to be flagrant and antagonistic and, mm. and reactionary, uh, you know, but this is part of, with his boneheaded MAGA hat wearing, bringing Marilyn Manson out on stage kind of thinking. It it, it means nothing. There mm. is no meaning behind this, I don't think. And it's just antics. It's yeah. just spectacle. And you could say is part of fashion because, you know, back in the day, you had Vivian Westwood and Malcolm McLaren who, you know, had the Cambridge Rapist's on t-shirts the, mm. the mugshot of him or the, mm. the idea of him when he was still out committing crimes and it was just to shock but if we haven't moved on 50 years from fashion if we have not moved on from those cheap kind of tacky tactics who the hell are we like as a society and i think you know Jaden smith got up and left immediately when it happened and mm. then we get into the big issue because the vote one of the vogue editors uh gabriella karifa johnson who is amazing amazing stop, yeah she got on her Instagram and she said, this was indefensible. Mm. And then Kanye being Kanye fired And back. in fairness
0: to her, she posted like a quite a thoughtful take. Like she she kind of explored yeah. like the nuances and, and she said, you know, I can see where he might've been going with it, but it doesn't work because, you know, she said, you know, she pointed out that Black Lives Matter is an ethos and a movement. And, you know, it's bigger than just like one thing to make fun of. And it represents so much more. And she said, you know, essentially if you, if you pretend like Black Lives Matter is this like toxic fraud, which is what he was suggesting, that like, you know, you're basically handing white supremacists a narrative that is really dangerous and that basically it's so layered and like it's absolutely, Mm. you know, and and like she could see where he was maybe trying to go, but it didn't work for her. Like I thought it was very thoughtful and considered.
2: Definitely. I thought she had a lot of grace and a lot of patience Mm. to deal with that kind of ridiculousness. And I think, you know, like she was saying, a lot of us hope that Kanye flirts with the, you know, the ideology and the philosophy of the far right to kind of make some kind of joke out of them. Like it's an arch prank Mm. or a lesson in absurdist philosophy. Like, you know, him wearing a MAGA hat is very Mm. different to the message when a white person wears a MAGA hat or, and I think she wasn't extremely kind to him in the situation, but he wasn't, she was opening a dialogue with him and he shut it down by resorting to ridiculing her on instagram basically um posting photos of her that he's now since deleted saying basically look at the state of her um, yeah. and i Anna would ha- hate these boots you're wearing like he was embarrassing himself and you know let's not forget this is a man that went on tmz and said slavery is a choice um, mm. and she was trying to you know get her point across and then he put up a post just saying that black lives matter is a scam and didn't engage like we've moved so far from the Kanye of George Bush doesn't care about black people, mm. to now this person who's cozying up to someone like Candace Owens and aligning his views with ultra, you know, Christian conservatives about women's bodies and women's choices, and he's aligning people, himself with people who do not give a shit about him mm. and think he's a useful idiot. To you know, manipulate and to get an access to a bigger platform of younger people, and I don't know how he doesn't see that. And but it's also maybe like, he just doesn't care. He he
0: he's a bully. Like let's just be direct about this. Mm. He is a bully because we saw him do it to Kim and to Pete. Like you know when they were having their relationship, and he chose to target repeatedly Kim and Pete on his Instagram, and he has chosen now to do it to Gabriella. Like he posted photographs of her. He posted you know unkind comments when you do something like that and you have a massive platform, you're basically kind of sicking your followers on them and like inviting mm. attacks on a, on an individual. And like Condé Nast and, uh, and Vogue ended up posting in support of Gabriella. And that was really good to see. But then Kanye posted and said that he'd met Gabriella. They'd had a constructive conversation. Baz Luhrmann was filming them for Vogue. Like it just turned into this big mess. And you just don't know what's real and what's not real. But what you do know for a fact is that this man is a bully. And I personally feel like he should be removed from Instagram.
2: I do. I definitely do for his own sake, because later on in other deleted posts, he was saying that, you know, Bernard Arnold was responsible for Virgil Abloh's death. Yeah. Um, And this seems to have stemmed from something where he was promised a fashion house, he said, his own house by Arnold and then it was reneged on. And then he's attacking him in this childish way. And a lot of people, insiders, have said, listen, Kanye, you weren't kind to Virgil in his last days. So I don't know why you're acting like this. You actually slagged him off behind his back when he left you you know, to start his own up, his own stuff. So I don't know what you're going on with these rambles for. And he is someone who suffers with his mental health. And we do know that. And we know that for sure. But then he brings it back to Kim again in a post last night where he was Gigi Hadid came out and said, you know, kali you're acting like a, an idiot yet again. And he basically put up this post saying, Why didn't Gigi speak out when I couldn't go and see my daughter shy on-, on her birthday and I didn't know where she was? And this, we've closed this conversation about yeah. the bloody birthday party. Chloe Kardashian had to come into the comments and say, Kanye, I know you love to do everything in public, but th- we've had this conversation. The world knows that you knew where your child was. You just, you know, Kim is. You've said yourself, Kim is the caretaker for 80% of the time, so please stop doing this. And it's like any time put, someone puts it up to him and says, explain your actions, give me an argument, why are you doing this? He just goes on the defensive and then just moves it on into this strange, you know, argument that's not even a part of what he's trying to say, yeah. which shows that there is emptiness behind this. There is nothing to him saying white lives matter. There's nothing to it. No. It's just a slogan to him. And it, it that's what's so upsetting because it's real life for you know so many people and, but and i think
0: Sorry, I think it's all what he what he's really betrayed consistently as well is in my opinion an innate misogyny and I think yeah. that there is there's definitely fatphobia in there as well. Gabriella is a plus-size woman and she posted uh, a, a gorgeous post, I have to say, explicitly stating that obviously what had happened to her this week um you know some of it was rooted in fatphobia. Uh but like for example, Hayley Bieber also you know said something uh, in support of Gabriella and Kanye's post 7 hours ago as we speak is like ranting again about like his paradigm shifting t-shirt and blah 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 and then at the end he says he's talking about boots the, the boots that gabriella was wearing were trash so like he's back to giving out about her her boots and then he says but i'm sure john legend still wants a pair and justin get your girl before i get mad like the misogyny of like not even acknowledging Hailey bieber as a person and being like mm. justin get your girl before i get mad like this man and i defended him i have defended him so much so much i have been to many of his concerts i have listened to so much of his music i have said you don't get the the art without the genius and the genius of kanye west is rooted in kind of sometimes madness which is well documented this has nothing to do with that this is someone just being an asshole and like
2: and i do think you know there's this overriding sense that kanye only cares about billionaires and he doesn't care about anyone else outside of this very small, privileged ecosystem. And, you know, I'm okay with that if it's just him being OTT because I love a star that's unrelatable and out of touch. I love when, you know, yeah. he's going around, with, you know, parading Julia Fox in the place and yeah. whatever. Fine, buy whatever you like, buy, you know, a gold bar and spread it all over your face. I don't care. That's fun. Mm-hmm. But when you're dabbling in political rhetoric and it's political rhetoric of the far right you know and that thinking comes in opposition to those billionaires that he's so cozy with there's this very real issue at stake and I think for him trumpeting this nonsense um it it really just shows up to to being somebody that is lacking compassion um and someone who is you know a temperamental narcissist and it all just comes back to what can you get me yeah. what can I you know what am I getting out of this and and that's hurtful because I think we we've, we've all been on this journey with him and I hate saying that he is a great artist <laughs> yeah and somebody that has an unbeatable back catalog and took on the fashion world and, and made inroads on won, yeah. but then is now using all this power all this yeah you know influence that he has for something absolutely destructive yeah and, and mean, it's so
0: and the thing about it is is that like nobody wants to take that away from him or like nobody who who you know knows, his career and the influence that he's had and appreciates his art and his genius and I do think there is genius nobody wants to take that away from him but he is ruining it for himself and that's it and like mm. I am done with Kanye West and I just keep thinking I'm and so think- glad that our Kimberly <laughs> is no longer Got away. mixed up in this because girl I don't know how she tolerated it for so long um, and I do
2: think you know the fashion world should shut him out I think that's it. And if the fashion world shut him out, he might sit up and listen because it's money. And that's all he seems to care about is money. Yeah, I Um, think you're right. I saw that the editor... You know, but sometimes I do wonder if he even believes anything he's saying. Mm. Or is it just a way... It's all content. It's pure. You know, it just seems to be this traveling circus Mm. wherever his overstimulated mind goes to next. And it's sad to see. sad.
0: Okay, well, would you believe we've talked about Kanye for 15 minutes? (laughs) So... Oh my God, sorry. No, not at all. But let's very quickly talk about some of the other events that happened this week. I mean, we cannot let the week go by without acknowledging Jamie Lee Curtis's magnificent visit to Ireland.
2: Yes. I mean, this is very cute. This is a lovely story. I mean, I love Jamie Lee Curtis in a way because I think she gets a kick out of being famous and she enjoys it and she gets what it is and she gets what her audience wants out of a star. And it's very old school behavior. But with this added modern kind of viral twist mm. and I think we see people like The Rock or Ryan Reynolds or whatever trying to be relatable and working an overtime charismatic at like you know junkets and they appear really self-deprecating but she actually has it she's real yeah. so she was after The Late Late which she seemed to enjoy it so much I've never seen someone on The Late Late that loved it more mm. and the audience were like dug into her like it was you know an Oprah audience and they were going to win a car it was so <laughs> exciting to see and it. it was really electric it was fun but she was just determined to stay in Dublin. So mm. we saw her out on Grafton Street, basically standing in front of her billboard for Halloween bills mm-hmm. and just grabbing random L ones to chat with them about how great she is <laughs> and how great the film is. And there was this woman called Margaret who did this whole, uh, yeah, I'll let you go now. I'm sure you're very busy. Like, which is basically Irish for shut up. I need to go. I'm Scarlet. Yeah. And like, it was just so honestly... A, a really nice moment and I think Brian Lloyd from entertainment.ie the film critic he was saying he tweeted that it was the best marketing he'd ever seen yeah and then Jamie Lee put it up on her Instagram yes Green grabbed grid. his
0: tweet and put it up on her grid like it's <laughs> just so goss so wholesome that's MP. how you do
2: it can we 100%. claim her can, can she stay here and just travel around New travel she plan. should
0: she should and um, we were going to talk about Wagatha Christie, but I actually don't think we have a lot of time to get into it. But let's just say Rebecca Vardy has to pay um, uh, Colleen Rooney a lot of money in legal fees. And apparently there's going to be a TV show made about it, which of course there is. I mean, I think even on the day that it all happened, we were all like, this is prime for a film or a TV oh, show. Yes.
2: And, and it's Chanel Cresswell, just to say, from This Is England, who is amazing. Mm. Um, so she's going to be starring in it, apparently.
0: Oh, well, but, that's...
2: Uh, it's, the self-owned to end all cell phones. I think absolutely mortifying. Rebecca Vardy, Scarlett,
0: hundred percent. <laughs> um, I did want you because uh, there was a viral Architectural Digest tour this week, mm.
2: and these Architectural
0: Digest tours, Architectural Digest, obviously fancy home magazine from America, and uh, celebrities often have their homes featured in it, and they. Uh, they make really good videos to go with these kind of shoots for the magazine, and they often go viral. And the most recent one to do that is Emma Chamberlain's. Um, but I think a lot of people don't even know who Emma Chamberlain is or where she came from. So, yeah, can you mean- give us a little insight? <laughs>
2: Nothing makes me feel older yes. than seeing some yoke from YouTube on uh, doing yeah. red carpet interviews at the Met Gala, uh, like she did this year. Yeah. I feel like grabbing a passing child and going, "It was all Andre Leon Talley in my day, dear." <laughs> like, she was born ancient. in two thousand and one. Yeah, oh. I know. And like, the, she's a YouTube sensation for people who don't know, and yeah. she just. From like the age of, she said she was watching YouTube from age six, which is mm. highly disturbing to me. Um And she has these videos from, not from when she was six, obviously, but she was 18. She started uploading these videos of just her being normal and doing cute things and commenting on them and being, you know, self-deprecating and silly. And it just won her so many fans because we were in that era of, you know, fake it till you make it and everybody mm. looks gorgeous. And she was kind of like... No, I'm just going to be normal and silly and goofy. And Mm. people really connected with that. And I think, you know, Vogue and and those magazines and, and Architectural Digest in a way like they need to invest in the next generation. And I think, you know, you have to she has to unless they want to be completely irrelevant, you know what I mean? They have to grasp onto these people. And she is 21 and she's bought herself this mansion. Like, which is all over the internet like architect, this Architectural Digest video is kind of like it's just like fancy cribs Yeah, it's like exactly. snobby cribs yeah. yeah I mean my favourite ever was Dakota Johnson's let's not forget yes. with her Bola Limes which yes. she lied about she yes. is, she's allergic to them yeah. but anyway so her mansion, Emma Chamberlain's mansion, they said, was, you know, deeply personal. And I was I, I was thinking to myself, isn't everybody's house deeply personal? though? It's where my dirty knickers live. Of course, it's deeply personal. <laughs> yeah. My DNA is all over this place. It is. I, I poop in my toilet here. It's deeply personal. But I think they just meant that unlike Kim Kardashian's mausoleum of mm. marble, it actually is homely. It yeah. has personal touches, as in Shell's paintings by her dad all over the wall. But I just think they were very surprised. A lot of people were surprised that this 21 year old YouTube sensation actually has good taste. Um, and that was the overriding feeling I got from it. But she has a team of designers that were helping her. It wasn't doing her alone. her own.
0: Well, exactly. And also lots of people were saying that like, you know, she's kind of made a career out of having taste. Like at the moment, she is traveling around the world. She she has a coffee company. She's still making YouTube videos. She travels around the world. Like I, I just saw her. She was at Paris Fashion Week. Then she was at the Venice Film Festival. She was at um, Copenhagen Fashion Week. I think she was at the last Paris Fashion Week, which I was actually at for five minutes oh, like she me. is just going from one glamorous thing to another as you said she did the red carpet interviews at the met gala this year and last year like she's she's just seems to be her job seems to be being cool now that's that's mm. kind of what she does which, and i'm just
2: okay like we had alexa chung yeah I no, this was like you i know? was just
0: gonna say i'm just so jealous I'm like, extremely I'm jealous. So profoundly jealous. I can't remember the last time I was so jealous of anyone. Yeah.
2: As I, am. Uh, I mean, I, I spend my life in a in a haze of jealousy, I think, most times. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, she's definitely and like I think fair play to her though. I mean, as long as you can get away with it and keep doing whatever that is, that zeitgeisty it girl thing. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I would rather it was her than Hayley Bieber. Yeah. I would, because I think at least she has more. Like an actual humour to her and a humility to her that you don't normally see with these kind of
0: people. Yeah. Although I would look at Hailey Bieber's face for the rest of my life. I do think she is so beautiful.
2: Um, I don't know. She's part Baldwin. So that always. Well, yeah, it's jarring.
0: It is jarring. Yeah.
2: (laughs) And then before
0: we go, just a little rest in peace to Loretta Lynn.
2: Yes. I mean, my God, anyone who wrote a song like Fifth City about another woman not coming near her man or you know rated x about divorce when divorce was still such a like mm. taboo issue and then like something like the pill mm. which was you know about how great it is that you can have sex as much as you like like the mm. woman is a hero like just we love a hard scrabble you know story about making your way into the limelight on your sheer grit sheer talent
0: 100
2: i mean what a woman she's just like pure determination yeah and, and had a career for so long that in two thousand and four I think a lot of people had that resurgence whether because she did that album Van Leer Rose with Jack mm. White. And I would just like urge anyone if they don't know of her. Yeah,
0: a hundred percent. Like I, I knew of her from very early age because my, a Co- like coal miner's daughter is a, a film and also a song by her. But it's a film which documents kind of the the first section of her life. Or I mean, I suppose the first half of her life maybe. And it was I feel like it was just on always in my house as a kid. I don't know, did my mom tape it off the TV or what? But like, <laughs> it was always on, um, and that's how I got to know her. Um, but obviously, there's so much more beyond that as well. Like I mean, she was born in a one room log cabin in Kentucky and she had such a life. So yeah, if you, if you're not familiar with her, like she was a feminist before, I think we were even calling ourselves feminism. She is a really spectacular woman. She's such a talent musically and, um, you know, she's a, a loss to the world, but at least she got to live for 90 years, which is, which is no, no poor showing. It has to be said.
2: No. And we need those firecrackers. We need those very strong, women who take absolutely no messing in Mm -hmm. the music industry Mm -hmm. and she was there for a very long time and hung on for a very long time and said you know what I'm not going anywhere absolutely Um, more of that I say
0: I agree Jen Gannon thank you so much
2: thank you a pleasure
0: now just about time for me to go but thank you so much for being with me this week and can I just again say thank you so much to everyone who comes up to me and and tells me that they like the podcast this week especially because (laughs) it really helped me when I was like hanging by a thread um uh, like it, it means so much to me. It is it is so encouraging when I hear from you that you're enjoying it and, you know, I never w- want you to hesitate. I know sometimes people come up and introduce themselves and I can tell that they feel kind of awkward or weird or apologetic about it or sometimes they just are v- verbally apologetic about it, but you never have to apologize. I love meeting you. Um, I really, really, it means so much to me uh, because without you, th- this would be pointless. I mean, tr- a truly pointless endeavor and you guys are keeping me going um every single week and I couldn't be more grateful for you now recommendation time and I actually have some this week oh my god can you believe it the last few weeks I've just been like I've consumed nothing I have nothing for you but the first one I want to recommend is a podcast I absolutely devoured this over the course of like two days it's a guardian podcast it's called can I tell you a secret and it is presented by Sharon Kala, who is a brilliant journalist I first started following her online I think she was working for vice at the time but now she she writes for the guardian regularly and this podcast follows the story I mean I suppose it really follows the story of a young man who again actually similar to some of the conversations we were having with Eva earlier um just you know being online essentially ruined his life and the lives of many others Matthew was a cyber stalker he stalked many women he ruined lives um and this isn't like a who done it. It's not a like did he or didn't he? You know from the outset that this guy was a huge problem, and Sharon meets various people connected to him and lots of people who were affected by his uh, cyber stalking. It's a brilliant podcast. It's only f- mm, five, six episodes long, so it's not a huge undertaking. I think that each episode is less than an hour. and um, it's a really good look at. I suppose, people's relationships with the internet uh, and also just the power that the internet potentially has to impact people's lives. I loved it. Um, Really well made. Then I watched this week, Nothing Compares, which is the documentary about Sinead O'Connor. Oh my God, it was so good. It is so powerful. I've long admired Sinead O'Connor and I felt like I understood what she had been through uh, and what she had been put through during her career. But I really actually don't think that I had this documentary really puts a fine point on the way that Tinead O'Connor was treated um, and really makes you look at her through a new lens because her integrity is staggering and um, I mean, moving, staggering, I I, I don't, you know, there's a million words I could use. But the main thing is, I just could not recommend that you watch this more and really kind of, you know, take a moment to consider the way Sinead O'Connor was treated, how lucky we are to have her, the incredible art that she's given the world, and the fact that lots of that art has not even been fully appreciated because she was essentially cancelled before cancel culture was a thing, whether if you believe in cancel culture... Um, She certainly was a victim of it. Um, And it certainly isn't a new thing because it happened to her many, many years ago. Anyway, it's called Nothing Compares. I actually am going to have an interview with the director of the documentary on the podcast next week, which I'm super excited about. Then other than that, I'm actually going to recommend some music. I listened, I was in the car quite a bit this week going to various appointments and work things and I listened to The Streets uh, original Pirate Material and A Grand Come For Free, those two albums in full, in the car and oh my god I so enjoyed it I had not listened to them in years I love like a concept album where you, you're you getting a story that's like you know a start middle and an end or you're following something along through the various songs and Mike Skinner just did that so brilliantly if you haven't listened to those in a while it's a great way to spend some time if you had to like clean your house or if you had an annoying job to do where you know you could listen to lyrics and it wouldn't be a big deal if you're painting or if you're in your car or whatever go for a walk like it's it's just a great way to spend some time and and finally, The Bear is now available on our televisions. It is a TV show that's been much talked about. I can't remember whether I already mentioned it. So if I did, I apologize. I loved this show. It's on Disney Plus now. It is set in Chicago in a, an Italian beef shop, which is kind of like special to me because obviously when I lived in America, I was living in Chicago and I love the kind of sandwiches that they make in this Italian beef shop—it's a real kind of nostalgia thing for me. But honestly, that's that's not important. It, you know, you'll you'll love it anyway. It is just really well written. It's it's about this kind of award-winning, you know, absolutely top of his game chef who comes home to kind of take over this Italian beef shop when there's a death in his family and how he manages it, and also the various other characters um, in in the place are are just brilliant. It's just. brilliant brilliant program can't recommend it enough it's quite intense um, but not overly intense like I think effectively intense and uh, everybody's going to be talking about it people are talking about it already before it even arrived here so yeah the bear it's on Disney plus now if you haven't seen it yet highly recommend so there you go. That's me. Um, I will be back with you next Friday. I'm actually going to New York on Thursday. Um, so she complaining about having a hard week. Um, that's part of it, though. You know yourself when you're going away and you're like, I have to get everything done. Um, but yeah, I am going to New York next week. But I think I'm going to have a normal episode for you anyway. If I don't have a normal episode, I'll have an episode of some shape. So um, don't worry. I will be back with you next Friday. In the meantime, I hope you have a good one. As acknowledged they can't all be good so if it's not good that's okay too thank you so much to Acast and all my brilliant contributors and don't forget to rate review and recommend the podcast if you feel so inclined it makes a huge difference to me i'll talk to you soon